it says in the word. It says once we become sons and daughters, once we give our lives to you, Father, you are constantly thinking about us. You're constantly pursuing us. You're constantly trying to communicate to us just as you are in this moment right now that my goodness, I love you. That's what you're trying to say to us. And so, Father, anything that we are beating ourselves up for today, I pray that it just falls away. Anything that we are carrying, that we feel as though is separating us from you, Father, let it go. Just let it, let it fall away. I pray that we can let it go. And we can understand how much you love us. We can understand how much... much love you pour out for us on a daily basis. <laughs> Father, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But for whatever reason, you keep giving it. And Lord, we're going to keep receiving it. This morning, that's what we say. We receive that love. We receive the Holy Spirit this morning. We receive your presence in this building today. Father, and there's nothing about our flesh that is going to be in the way. We've We've worshipped, we've cut through the flesh, we've cut through our own thoughts. And Father, we receive the fact that you love us as children today. Thank you for that truth. Thank you that that is a truth that we can bank on every day, every minute. So Father, we love you in return. We let that come from our mouths. And Lord, sometimes we may not show it with our actions. But Father, we say we love you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I always say, you know, you could have spent your time anywhere else, but you're with us. Thank you for that. Uh, it means a lot to me. Um, whether you've been here for a thousand years or a thousand seconds, which I don't even know how long that is, 10 minutes, eight, 18 minutes, 27, who knows. Don't look at me because I can't do math, all right? <laughs> whether you've been here for a thousand years or a thousand seconds, we are in the book of Romans right now, continuing through chapter 8. And we've started Romans since the first of the year. Here we are in August. I feel as though as the months go, that's what chapter we're in. So we'll probably get through chapter 8 this month. We're going to continue looking at verses uh, 18 through 27 today. Kind of a big chunk. But it's one thought. And there's a lot that's being unwrapped that has been woven into these scriptures. Um, and so as we know and learn, have learned, about Romans up until this point, we do know that Romans is one of the best books in the Bible, if not the best. It's considered one of the best penned, um, little, excuse me, literary uh, pieces ever put together. Um, and it's kind of the crown jewel of the word. 6, 7, and 8 is the crown jewel chapters of the crown jewel book of the Bible. 6, 7, and 8 is about justification, sanctification, and now glorification. You guys have heard me say that many times. I don't want to miss that in the introduction. 
So we're in the process of the glorification of what? The glorification of the power of God. That's really what we're glorifying. Paul, in the last part, I guess midway through chapter 7, is speaking about this um, battle between his flesh and what is really in him to do. What is in him to do is the will of God. But for whatever reason, the members of his body don't coincide with the will of God that's in him. <laughs> so there's these two natures that he's speaking about. And then he comes to a place where he makes this statement at the end of chapter 7 and says, who will save me from this? Now, that's a massive statement because he doesn't say, how will I save myself? He comes to a place where he realizes that the power of God is the only thing that will save him from himself. So what we need to do on a daily basis is when we wake up, we wipe the sleep out of our eyes, whatever, whatever we do in the morning, you got that Keurig on a timer, all right, which isn't even real coffee, let me say that. <laughs> yeah, coffee in a little cup or something. Whatever you do in the morning, there needs to be some kind of conversation with the Lord that says, God, I side with you against me. Does that make sense? I side with you against my flesh because the power of God is the only thing that will allow me literally to even get through the day without, as we look in the beginning chapters of 8 all the way up until verse 17, this setting your mind on the spirit or setting your mind on the things of the flesh. See, the power of God can only help us set our mind on the things of the Spirit. You yourself, me, myself, in my flesh, can't even set my mind on the things of the Spirit without the help of God. Does that, does that make sense? Now, you are your own person, okay? God gave you free will. Hallelujah. I chose to wear this today. Don't judge me, okay? Free will is a good thing. But he does say... In that free will, it doesn't mean that I'm absent. It doesn't mean that when I told you in the word that you can go and I will not put anything in front of you that you can't handle. It doesn't mean to sit Jesus over in the corner and try to go handle it on your own. I've said this to you before. He's saying the reason why I'm bringing you through things and telling you that I think that you're equipped to handle them is because I want you to take me right with you. I want you to be right here, walking with me through those things. Does that make sense? So, we can't in and of ourselves set our mind on the things of, our, uh, of the Spirit by ourselves. Although free will and the ability to choose, He's given that to us. But do we realize that we have to choose Him to help us with that? I want to make that very clear. We get through chapter 8, and it shows us what is the product of both of those tracks. You set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you'll live. Does that mean that it's going to be streamers, cake, candy, all the time, and puppies running around? No. <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But what it does mean is that there will be life and not the opposite. When you set your mind on yourself and the things of the flesh... It leads straight to death. Straight to it. And I don't want to be gray on that. I want to be black and white. You set your mind on you getting what you want. Me getting what I want the way that I want it. I'm going to end up killing myself 
and killing the situation, which usually is involved with other people, and end up hurting them. I don't know about you guys, but I just don't like hurting people. <laughs> I don't know who does. So that brings us up to these, these verses here. Are you guys with me this morning? See, we're glorifying the power of God through the whole thing. You set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you'll see the power of God save you from yourself. And that's worth being glorified. Amen? Now, last week we talked about what it means to be a son. Sonship, what it means to be a son and daughter of Christ. But hey, look. In, uh, I think it's verse 14. For all who are led, being led by the Spirit, they're sons of God. That's not a precondition. It's just diagnostic in nature. If you are being led by the Spirit, the Spirit precedes everything that you're doing, then you're going to be known as a son of God. But what makes you a true son and daughter of God is when you accept Christ into your life. But then what do you get after that? The Scripture says you become an heir. To what? The very same power that rose Jesus from the dead. That's what you get to partake in. <laughs> Lord, give me that when I'm on my face and I just can't deal with it. Like, give me that power. Not just the, oh, Lord, I just need something to get through right now. <laughs> give me the power that woke you up. Because it's that that will bring my feet up out of the mud, set it on the rock. Amen? So with that, all of that in mind, we read, let me read these scriptures for you. Because Paul is not deviating from sonship. He's not deviating from that uh, principle and that condition. He's saying, he's going to say some things in these scriptures about the importance of you. Remember how I talked about authority last week? That... It's not necessarily about walking in your authority as much as it is using it. Use the analogy of electricity. Why would I call the utility company to flip on a light in the house that I live in? That makes no sense. <laughs> flip the light on. The power is already there. Ladies and gentlemen, flip the light on in your life. The power is already in you. Talking about authority and talking about sonship. Um, I don't want to lose my train of thought because I get excited and I like try almost I try to rabbit trail and then I got to bring it back. You know what I'm saying? But the authority, I was saying, not necessarily walking in it because we have it, so therefore we are walking in it, but using it, it's there. There's, there's, there's an importance to that. Same thing with sonship. You are that if you've accept, accepted Christ into your life. But these scriptures are going to communicate the importance that your peace has in being that, being seen as that, all of that, and how it's connected with each other, how it's connected with creation. That the best way I can say it before I read this, and you've heard me say it over and over again, there is a God-shaped void in your heart that only God can fill. There is a God-shaped void in your heart that only He can fill up and overflow. Now, man, I've, I've said that so many times, even when I was the worship leader, <laughs> even since I've been preaching up here for two years, like, it's a principle that never leaves. 
So, when we try to fill it up with something that doesn't look like God, we're setting our minds on the things of the flesh. Guess what? We're running towards death. That's black and white. Let's read these scriptures. Destined for completion is the title of this message. But here we go, verse 18 of chapter 8 in the book of Romans. And it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Thank you, Jesus. We can stop right there. But I won't. Verse 19, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, subjected it, excuse me, and hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and, the suffer, uh, and suffers the pains of childbirth. But also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Let me just read these last two because they're, they're big. Uh, let me just hit them real quick. And I don't know, as I was reading over the scripture again this morning, 26 and 27 might come next week. But if the Lord says, hey, speak about it today, we'll do that. It says this, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself, himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. My goodness. That's a bunch in there. That's what happens when you break off ten, ten scriptures. I'm going to be here till next Saturday, and we'll just roll right into next Sunday. It'd be great. But this first verse, as I've brought you guys up to speed about where we're at in this book, we're still on the sonship, but we're coming at it from a different way. Okay, if you understand that you are this son, you are this daughter, you're a co-heir to the throne, you're an heir with Christ, meaning you get to receive, that's the result of sonship, you get to receive all that is in him, if that's the case, there's an opening statement in this section of scripture that says, obviously, we read it, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Wow. <laughs> Smack you in the face. The thing you were worrying about on the way over here, it's not to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. The situations that you're dealing with right now that may seem a little bit, they're, they're creating uh, friction. Not to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. But do we really understand what the scripture's being said? Sometimes the English language does not do a good job of 
interpreting the word for us. So we got to go back to the Greek, and we have to go back to the Hebrew. The Greek word for this word glory in here, as I've, as I've looked at it, and the context, content of this scripture, the word is this, doxa, D-O-X-A. And the definition of that is opinion and judgment and view. So in my head, I'm thinking the glory, when you think about glory, it's like amazing, it's magnificent, it's the stars and the light show and the motorcycles jumping off in the background, like that's glory to me. Even though I've never ridden a motorcycle, I don't even know what that's like. But to put opinion, judgment, and view into that statement, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not to be worthy, or excuse me, are not worthy to be compared with the opinion, the judgment of the view that is to be revealed to us. Now, that's interesting to me. That's saying that no, no matter what I have done, my sin will never outdo God to the point where his judgment takes me away from being a son or a daughter of Christ. Do you, do, does that make sense? I want to make sure I rolled that out correctly. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, whatever you're going through, good, bad, all right, it's not saying that, hey, look, whatever you're going through is insignificant. It's saying that, look, sin is an issue. And the fact that we have not been wiped off of this earth because of sin is something that is to be glorified. So it makes me and my grumblings and my groaning kind of like, <laughs> I shouldn't really be that sad about that certain issue. Does that make sense this morning? So hopefully that came out the way that it was going through my mind and how the Lord was speaking to me about it. Then we get to verse 19, and literally from verse 19 all the way through 27, it talks about something called longing. There's longing in there. It's talking about creation. It's talking about us as sons. All right? That there's groanings. Bless you. Yes. But I want you guys to know, and I think you do, but it's good that you hear it from up front, all right? <laughs> that we were all created to long for something. Like for me right now, the deepest thing that I long for is my future family. I'll be completely transparent. And I think I, I might be transparent more often than I think with you guys in that because I say it all the time. <laughs> so it's not really a special thing that I said that. But man, I long for that. And I long for it in a way that sometimes I gotta stop myself because it starts to consume me. Consume me to the place where I start questioning God, what are you doing? Time's running out. <laughs> Brother, come on. <laughs> Help me out. Everyone else but me, blah, blah, blah. You know? Consumes me. But does that mean that the longing is a bad thing? No. It means that the longing needs to be put in the right direction. It does not negate the fact that I got this desire, but it can't consume me more than what Christ is will consume me. I hope that makes sense, right? So we all, you all long for things. I don't know what it is for you. You can long for your wife and she's sitting right next to you. 
My parents have been married for almost 40 years. And I still hear my dad say, man, I can't wait to just come home. Because, you know, the wife is there. But even that, if that consumes you, it's not a good thing. So I'm just beating a dead horse right now. Do we understand? The longing is there, but we can't let it consume us. Christ set it up that way. God set it up that way. I prayed earlier and, and made this statement that you have a God-shaped void in your heart. That longing has been set in there. You try to fill that hole with anything else, you'll be consumed by that process, and it will lead you to death. But what this scripture is getting ready to communicate to us is what we're destined for. You long to be completed. You long to even operate as a son and a daughter of Christ, whether you know it or not. You were created to do that. Amen? So here it is. Verse 19. For the anxious longing of the creation. What is the creation? All that has been created. Have you been created? Yes. So that means we are lopped in there with all the trees and the grass and the squirrels and those weird pews that we're sitting in. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, who are the sons of God? You and I who have been, who have chosen Jesus. And therefore we have this authority. Therefore we have this power. All creation longs for you to walk in your authority. To use your authority. <laughs> it's waiting for you to be yourself. Does that make sense? So have you ever seen a tree? have a problem with being a tree? <laughs> like you drive by and it's stretching out trying to like be a skyscraper and it says to you, let me show you how well I can mimic concrete. And no. Creation doesn't have a problem being creation. You ever seen a raccoon struggle with being a raccoon? Nah. The boy's going to go get food. He's going to get in a trash can and run across the street. He's just going to do that. So why do I have a problem being myself? And I feel like I have to be something other than who God made me to be because that's what? Satisfactory to who? This world? This world's going to pass away. But Jesus is forever. You guys with me this morning? The Lord is saying, I am setting it up that all creation is waiting for you to be yourself. Whew. I hope you walk out of here just like, thank you, Jesus. Now I can just go be myself and it'll be all right. <laughs> Paul continues to literally push this point into the ground by saying this. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, um, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Anybody ever played the game Jenga? Such a weird game. Jesse's like, no, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's a weird thing where you stack stuff and you pull something out in hopes that whatever you stacked doesn't fall over. Right? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anybody win that game. Because what do you do? You pull all the little pieces out of these blocks and you keep continue to stack them. And the point of the game is whoever loses, the, the stack falls over. Now, we got Jenga games that are like, the boards are the size of me now, instead of the little small stuff, right? But if you have that in your mind, 
For the creation was subjected to futility. What is futility? Uselessness. It says uselessness, uselessness, not willingly, okay? I didn't, I wasn't born and all of a sudden just said, hey, you know what? I just, I, I want to be useless, Father. Thank you so much. I choose that. That's not what that's saying. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. The Lord said that you will not be useless, but you will not be useful without me. That you can stack and stack and stack, but as soon as you pull me out, I'm sorry. <laughs> that whole thing is going to fall over. You can build and build and build. But as soon as that one little piece that is used to create the foundation of that whole structure, if we're sticking with the analogy, as soon as you pull that out, we then become useless. You will be useful if you operate as a son of God, as a child of God, if you use the authority that he has put in you, you walk in the room and you flip on the light because it's already in there. Amen? This is good stuff this morning. So here we go. I love that at the end of that scripture it says, In hope. And not in vain. And not in frustration. That, hey, you can't do this without me, so I'm just going to be here for you whenever you need me. The Lord didn't create you so that he could be a puppeteer either. This hope is speaking to a confident expectation. Why? Because we're going to read about hope at the end of the uh, scripture today. What, what sense does it make to hope in something you've already seen? Confident expectation ha is directly connected to faith. The Lord knows how he created you. He knows that you need him. So he's confidently expecting you to be the way that he made you. He's not walking around wherever he walks, which is everywhere, with his head hanging, being like, oh, this person, why don't they get it? How he loves us. You can have every characteristic in the word possible, but without love, you got nothing. The God that we serve is so in love with you, he's confidently expecting you to be exactly who he created you to be. Is there anybody in here? Amen. I mean, come on. That's the one I was like, yeah. Crickets. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I just want to make sure you guys are getting this this morning because it's, it's pointing towards... you. You're destined to be completed. You're created to be complete. Anything that raises itself up that is saying to you the opposite of that, we need to kick that out. You just need to experience everything before you come to a conclusion about something. No, what does the word say? Right? Uh, this narrative, you need to date all these people before you figure out who you want to be with? No. <laughs> you tell me where it says that in the word. And all you people who are married are like, man, this guy... So I was talking about dating. I'm sorry, that's just where I'm at right now, okay? I, can, I, can't, I can't comprehend being married because I've never been there. Don't judge me. But does that, I mean, you guys with me on that comment? Yeah. Anything that separates us from being completed, I think we need to take a look at that in our lives. But here is more 
to read verse 20 again. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope. Confident expectation that creation itself will also be set free, excuse me, from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Wow. You have a peace. And that peace is important. It's, it's connected to all of creation being set free. Not by your own power. <laughs> Let's not go there. Because it can be overwhelming being like, oh my goodness, I have a piece to the salvation of the entire world. <laughs> no, you don't. You, the only piece that you have is to be who he created you to be. But understand that when you are that, it releases me. It releases me. Luke, when you are you, it releases me. When I am me, it releases you. Do we understand that? Christ released us from the penalty of sin, which was death. And I'm doing this for a reason. We release each other into being children of God. When we say no to the crap, all right, we say yes to Jesus, no to what the world says we're supposed to do. We're in the world, but not of it. That doesn't mean we judge it, okay? We're in it to change it. But I get set free when you live like you're free. When you live like you're free. When you live like a son and a daughter. Does that make sense? You have a peace. You don't realize how much it's connected to each other. At least I don't. And I need to realize that more. <laughs> from what this scripture is saying. So after verse 21. Being set free from its slavery to corruption. Into freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans. And suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. That has to do with sin. Verse 23. And not only this, but we also ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons. The word adoption as sons is seen in the word quite a bit in the New Testament, specifically in Ephesians. But it's connected to this word called predestination. And I've spoken to you guys on this before. That predestination, that doctrine, doesn't make sense when it's run up against the doctrine of free will. Right? All it's simply saying is that you're going to look just like Christ at the end of your life. You're predestined to look like him. He's predetermined the end result. How we get there, there's 18 trillion, I don't know why 18, but there's 18 trillion ways to get there. He knows the outcome of every decision, but he doesn't know what decision you're going to make. Because that would negate giving you one of the greatest gifts in this world, which is free will. The ability to choose him. So do we understand that? With that being said, as we look at this verse uh, 22, excuse me, 23, that if you, in this moment, if there's anybody in here who doesn't know Jesus, I want you to know that you're predestined to look just like him. If that's the case, everything in you is groaning to be just like him. Not only this, but we are, uh, but, sorry, I gotta slow down. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption, whether we know it or not. Our heart longs to be with Jesus. 
And adoption comes very simply. And the word it says, if you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, hey, you're in. You got to do this and that and I don't need to go down that road, but that's it. You become a son when you decide that you are insufficient and he's more sufficient. When you want to transfer your trust from yourself to him, you become a son. But you got to understand, from the moment you were created, before you were even thought of, your heart longs to be adopted and to operate like that. Are you with me today, church? For our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. In verse 24, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Who would hope for something that they've already seen? You can be confident in that. That's a good thing. Something that I've already seen is people stop at a stoplight. Awesome. That's a good thing. All right? I pull up to that stoplight and I don't say, oh man, I hope everybody stops. <sighs> no. <laughs> because I've seen it before, right? That's not the type of hope that we're speaking of. We already, we already touched on this earlier. Confident expectation. Where do we get that? Hebrews 11.1 1, when it talks about faith and what that hope is. Faith is. And it speaks about hope. Hope being a confident expectation. If you knew the outcome of a what's what's a good rivalry? Broncos and Raiders? Yeah? Some of you guys are like, eh, whatever. People shaking their head. We don't care. We don't care about that. <laughs> Let's just take the Broncos and the Raiders, all right? The Chiefs? Is, it, is that better? Okay. A little bit more emotion and blood boiling when I say the Chiefs. I can see it. <laughs> what if you already knew the outcome of the game? In the middle of those closing seconds where it's tied and you're waiting on the kick for the field goal for whoever's got the ball and they're going to win or we're going to lose, whatever. If you already knew the outcome, I mean, are you nervous? Are you just, are you going to stick around? It's kind of like, nah, I'm good. Whatever. <laughs> See, having a confident expectation in something that's unseen creates, at the end of this verse, what it talks about with waiting eagerly with perseverance. It's one thing to know, but it's, it's another thing, this is going to sound so weird and so diametrically opposed, but to confidently not know. You know that Christ is going to come. You know that he's going to show up. And you're confident in that, but you don't necessarily know how. But you're waiting eagerly, and you're okay with whatever happens. That's the type of hope I'm talking about here. Does that make sense? All right? Uh -huh. It's not filled with emotion. That if it doesn't happen, we're off and, you know, running away from the church, is, uh, lighting the church on fire and running away as fast as we can. So it's this hope, this confident expectation that in a sense has peace written all over it. Let me say it that way. I hope that makes sense. So I think what we're going to do is I'm going to listen to the Lord and take 26 and 27. We'll speak about that next week. 
But I want to make sure that I'm commun excuse me, communicating very clearly to you how important your peace is. That you're destined to be completed. That's a longing that's in you. So when you're being pulled through the eye of the needle, it's because the Lord's trying to complete you. Because there's something in you that's trying to get satisfied in the Spirit, by the Spirit. And I just want to communicate to you this morning, go be a son. Go be a daughter. It's okay. He created you to just be that. I know you've probably heard that before, but this scripture opens it up in a totally different way. He created you to long for that. Amen? Let's get our worship team back up here and prepare for our offering this morning. Um, if there's any kind of disconnect with you guys in that, uh, how do I say this? All of what we just got done talking about, the importance of your peace, the importance of you being and walking in that authority, flipping on the light. If there's any disconnect with that or you don't feel like you can do that, um, I want to be able to pray for freedom for you in it. Because if I could, I would walk in the room for you and flip on the switch. And then say, hey, walk around in this room that's yours and experience the light that's in this room because the power that's in you. Like, I want to encourage you so much. I'm not a cheerleader, but hey, what can I do? Well, I can pray for freedom for you in that. Um, so yeah, you can go ahead. You guys can come up here. We're going to pass this plate right quick and then uh, just see kind of what the Lord wants to do with that prayer for freedom. Uh, Father, thank you for this offering, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing with us today. God, we want to honor you and glorify you uh, and just give you praise because of the power that you have and also because of the power that you give us. Lord, give us the power to be your child. Give us the power to be exactly how you want us to be. Let everything else fall away. So, Father, we love you. Bless the offering so that we can bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and pass that. up here and kind of decode all of our processes and ways that we think and kind of say, hey, if, if, if you're not connecting with this, then this might be why, and we could go down that road, but I really feel like this morning it's just, we need to pray for freedom to go and be, that it's not going to be this earth-shattering feeling of, of brokenness and gratitude. But you're going to get up and you're going to walk out of here and you're going to be more free than you were when you came in. Now, I'm not talking about, and then next week we're more free, and then next week we're more free. No, 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 no. I'm saying free today from the bondage of crappy thinking. I'm just going to say it. So I use Romans 12 too all the time. Be transformed today by the renewing of your mind and what you let yourself think on. You are a daughter of Christ, Joseph.
Kayla, you are a daughter. Both of you, sons and daughters. Everybody in this room, you are that. Be free to walk in it today. Amen. So let's stand to our feet as we close in this song. If you want me to pray for you, you feel like you need prayer in that, then come up front. The ministry is not always up front. Grab me afterwards as well, and we could pray for that. But if you want to be free into being yourself and just want me to come alongside you in that, I would be more than happy to pray for you. But let's let's close with this, and I'll give you all the, the benediction here.